the first worship service here for all of us for this new year. And, and I need for you to understand uh, you have passed the test. Uh, we've been talking over the last several weeks about trials and tribulations and challenges, and you met the challenge of the light snow that we had. Uh, you did not let that uh, deter you. So you have perfect attendance when it comes to worship if you die today. Now, that can change next Sunday. Now, now, I need some grading. I need for you to understand you don't have perfect attendance when it relates to Bible class. Because uh, 60% of you were not here for Bible class. Uh, I'll let that sink in. Unless you pat yourself on the back simply because you showed up for worship service. Uh, we need to have the same commitment to come into the corporate worship. Uh, we need to have the same commitment when it comes to Bible study. Uh, because it is study of the scriptures that help us deal with our challenges so much better. The Bible student does not let light tribulations stop them. The ignorant and unlearned do. And so I want to leave that with you. Uh, that's not my sermon, but I want to leave that with you as we embark on this new year to see what God has uh, for us. Now, we've been studying for the last several weeks, you know, how to deal with trials and tribulations and challenges, adversity and all of that. Uh, and the, the, the passage that was read for us today, uh, Paul just sort of uh, beautifully gives us some information to help us to understand uh, that everything's going to be all right. Now, everything's going to be all right if you're a Christian, if you believe in God, and if you stay with him, everything is going to be all right because he is working all of that stuff out for our good. Amen. And now, Nephi, son, said, stop claiming promises when you don't meet the qualifications. Well, you know, one of the things that's in here, there's some qualifications if this stuff is going to work out for your good. My and we'll deal with that in the lesson. Right. Uh, but I need for us to understand, stop claiming promises that you're not qualified for. And so I want to use as a, a subject, God is working for your good. If you don't get anything else from the lesson today, you need to walk away from here knowing God, if you're a Christian, if you're faithful to God, God is working for your good. Now, God is not working so you can feel good. I need to say that, but he's working for your good, for our good, so that the end product will be a blessing to us. Uh, we are embarking on a new year. And with every year, uh, if you will look back over your history, you recognize New Year's brings new challenges. Uh, it brings new issues. It brings new troubles. Uh, but that doesn't have to deter us so that we lose focus. Uh, some of you guys know the great prophet Biggie, Biggie Smalls. Uh, Biggie, says, Biggie says the more money you have, the more problems. The more problems you got. Now, come on, you guys know uh, Biggie. You, 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 knew, you knew New Yorkers. I know you know who he is. Uh, and, and so you can even pull some from the secular world to help us uh, up in here this year. But New Year, uh, new troubles. But again, the troubles don't have to define you. Uh, they don't have to discourage you, uh, especially when you know God is on your side. It's just like uh, if you're going to go in a fight, uh, and you know you got some big football player type people on your side. They don't care who comes against you because you know they can take them out. 
and we got the heavyweight champion of the universe on our side. And I just don't think nothing can come up against him that he can't take out. So in our text, Paul, Paul helps us to see that there's a very special promise that God has for his people. Because there are times when, when adversity comes, loneliness comes, discouragement comes, illness comes, all those things that come, uh, and we will start feeling like God has forsaken us. We'll start feeling like something is wrong. Uh, we, we, we're starting to learn the problems are just, they just happen. Uh, as long as you live, if you are an adult, as long as you live, you're going to have bills. You're going to have bills. But thank God you got the money to pay your bills. So why are you whining and complaining? Okay, in a few months, uh, guess who's going to come knocking at your door? The IRS. Why are you complaining? You know it's going to happen. It happens every year. You have paid your taxes. You haven't been cheating. What are you worried about? You send in that form. Uh, most of you get some kind of refund. Uh, and then you still rob God with a refund, but that's a whole nother sermon. Uh, but then even if you get a tax bill and you got the funds to pay it, thank God for that. Recognize that God loves you. We're not talking about the whole group. We're personalizing. Matthew was talking about personalizing some of the stuff. More and more, we need to start personalizing some of the promises that we know. God loves you if nobody else loves you. You know God loves you. If nobody else has your back, God has your back. And some of you need to thank God for that because this past year you saw some folk betray you, stab you in the back, do a whole bunch of other stuff, lie on you, uh, but you're still here. You're still here, and you're stronger for having gone through the issues and challenges that you went through. So let me leave you with this admonition. Don't let God down this year. Don't let God down this year. Now, now some of you, right at this, you need to repent because you let God down last year. And you let, didn't let him down once or twice, but multiple times. And you took his grace and mercy for granted. Don't do that this year. Make up in your mind, just like some of you have already made your New Year's resolutions. And this is the seventh day of the year, so I know many of you have already broken them. But don't let God down. Don't, don't, don't let, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, at the end of every day that you live this year, uh, rehearse and see, did I let God down today? Before you go to sleep. Did I let God down today? And my hope is that uh, you're able to say, no, I didn't. But if by chance you did, you'll ask him to forgive you. And you and I have the gracious promise to know he will forgive us. And he'll give us another chance. This is a wonderful passage, but I'm not going to deal with much of it today. So, so when, when, when Mother Nature went haywire, I decided, let me, let me, let me just give you an installment today. Oh. So you guys can go home before the road slick over. Oh. But don't think I'm going to rush my installment, though. <laughs> so I'm only going to deal with just verse number 28. And, and you'll get the rest, the other verses, in the coming weeks. The Apostle Paul says, and we know that all things, 
work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. I, I need for us to understand, Paul says, there's some stuff you and I need to know. There's some stuff that you and I don't need to be doubting. Now, you may doubt if your spouse loves you, if your children love you, but you don't need to doubt if God loves you. And Paul says here at the very outset, and we know that all things work together for good. Not that all things work together to make you happy, but they work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. And so I just want to look at some of the phrases that, that Paul puts here. He says, we know uh, there is some certainty if you are a child of God, there's just some stuff you ought to be certain on. And one of the things that you and I ought to be certain about is that God loves us. One of the things that you and I ought to be certain of is that God has always been with me. That certainty ought to help us so that one, you and I don't doubt our salvation. Now, this hoping I'm going to be saved, I wish I'd be saved, that's for non-Christians to say. If you are a Christian, you are a child of God, you ought to know, K-N-O-W, that you're saved. I didn't say you're perfect. I didn't say you don't sin. I said you ought to know you're saved. And, and if we understood how we're saved, then we can have some certainty about it. You're still thinking you're earning salvation. That's why you're doubting and wondering. You can't, you're not good enough to earn salvation. It's a free gift God has given to us based on the working or the outworking of his son. So, so you, you ought to have some certainty about that. There ought not be any doubts. This year, stop listening to people who cause you to doubt your faith. So, so there are some conversations I will have with non-Christians about the faith. And I'll deal with their questions and their insecurities. There's some conversations I'm not having with no church member. You need to know you saved. And if you don't know you saved, let's go back to the water. Because the reality is some of us were not taught right on the front end. That's why we're uncertain. That's why we have all these doubts. And we, were, we weren't taught right and we didn't start out right because we've never uh, stayed and been consistent with Bible study. See, your faith and your certainty uh, is increased the more you start reading and studying scripture and you see what God has said about this, not what other folks say about it. So y'all not have any doubts. You and I need to understand every aspect of your life is in God's hands. So from the time you wake up until the end of the day, your life, your safety, your security is in God's hands. Not how good a driver you are. Not did Mass Dot get all the snow and put down all the salt on the freeway. Not that you're such a good cook that you can't get food poisoning. But it's because every aspect of our lives, God has control over it and he promises he's gonna work it for our good. You need to know this. And our hope and trust and faith needs to be based on this. Now, but I also need to say there are many churchgoers who don't know this. And there may be a person or two in this audience today, you're not certain of your salvation. 
You're not confident that if you die tonight, you ultimately go to heaven. Now, don't ignore that if that's where you are. Be real about what you, you ignored that all last year. And God's grace got you this far. But don't go into another year doubting your salvation and doubting your security. Find out what it is you need to do. And for some of us, it, we need to start reading and studying our Bible. That's exactly what we need to do. And for some of us, we need to go back to the water. And for some of us, we've never been to the water. So we need to get in the water. But we need to get to the point where we know some things that will help guide us so that if I know some things, then I don't fall apart when trouble and problems come my way because I know God got my back. And I have this great promise right here in this passage that whatever happens to me, God's going bring, to bring good out of it. You know a car accident? can lead to good. You know, that new car, that used car, that old car, that, that the humpy hoopty you got. God can make some good come out of a car accident. If it's nothing else, it'll cause you to drive better. Okay. He says, we know that all things, and all things means just that. Uh, it has no limits. God takes everything that happens to his people and makes good come out of it in the, in the end. So you're getting fired on your job. God can take that and make some good come out of it. You may not see it because you're embarrassed and humiliated about it. Uh, but what God can do is cause you not to be a better employer, employee when you go to another job and take seriously your responsibilities. Sometimes getting your stuff cut off or repossessed is the best thing that can happen to you. Because now, now you learn some responsibility. You learn now you need to pay your bills before you have your fun. Because some folks go on a vacation and still got a trunk load of bills they need to pay because they deserve a vacation. Okay, well, when they cut the lights off and this off and whatnot, then just remember your vacation was more important uh, than you're having a safe and secure living environment. So I list here several uh, things that may happen. Financial hardships. And we act like when we broke, we're about to die. If every penny you made goes to pay your bills, you're okay. Because all that's taken care of. Uh, we want to be rich and, ha and have all this old kind of stuff. And, and that's why we find ourselves in har and financial hardship, because we want more than we have the ability to afford. And so we're always stressed out about credit cards and all this and all that kind of stuff. So God can take financial hardships. He can take the things that can harm you. So sickness and illness, God can take that and make good come out of it. Uh, a miscarriage in a marriage, something that's very common to married folk, God can take that and make good come out of it. And, and some of you have been there. You've gone through that. And yes, there was weeping and sadness for a while, but look, later on, God blesses you with a whole house full of them. The things that challenge your faith, God can take that. So there are many things, boyfriend, girlfriend, can challenge your faith. 
new job that requires you to work when you ought to be at worship or in Bible study. That's a challenge to your faith. A friend who's always attacking you or criticizing you for the amount of time you spend uh, in worship and in Bible study, and in their minds, you don't need to do all that. Anybody got any friends who, who will say, you don't have to go to church services uh, every Sunday. You, you go enough. God's going to understand if you decide to take off two or three Sundays. Now, come on. Some of you got some friends like that. You got some close friends like that. And maybe that's why you're not here every Sunday. Divorce. God can take a, a divorce and still bring good out of it. You know why? Because some of you folk who, who go through marriage, uh, you were never prepared for marriage. Some of you shouldn't even be married. And so you're miserable and the person you're married to are miserable because you should have stayed single because you're too selfish and self-centered and you've been spoiled. See, people don't understand. When you come together to get married, you got to learn how to compromise. And you were able to do your own thing when you were single, but you're not single anymore. So bad relationships, bad marriages, God can take those things and make good kind of out of it. Being locked up in jail can be a blessing to a person. That, that's why a congregation have prison ministries. I, I know men who've been uh, in jail who are now ministers and elders at congregations. And it was that, that, that stint in jail that caught their attention. And because of God's grace and mercy, uh, they changed their life, and even members of the congregation who knew their past said he's a changed man. We've talked about sickness and illness. So just because you get cancer, the world is not coming to an end. It's not coming to an end. Uh, cancer is not the death sentence that it used to be. It just means you have an issue that's got to be attended to. And we can go down the line, uh, hypertension. Anybody got, you, know, you don't have to raise your hand. Hypertension, uh, cholesterol issues, diabetes, amen. I can say amen to that one. Arthritis, and a whole gamut of stuff. God can still use those situations to bring about good in your life. Death of a loved one, a very common experience, uh, but when you see how sometimes people don't handle it well, See, one of the things that, you know, I, I, in the, probably the last several months of last year, I, I had a chance to go to several funerals. And, and I'm always amazed at our funerals. When I say our, I mean Church of Christ funeral versus funerals at denominational churches, just in terms of the behavior of the people. Now, weeping and crying, you know, all oh, that's a part of it. This hollering and screaming and falling out and wanting to jump in the casket uh, with a person or jump in the hole when they're getting ready to deposit the body. We don't act that way because we know something. We, first of all, we know that's not going to change anything. But we know that that person has run their course, and their eternal state is fixed at that point. And there's nothing we can do about it. And if I didn't take care of my loved one or visit my elderly parents before they die, you don't have to deal with the guilt associated with that. God can even take your sin, your shortcomings, your mistakes, and work that thing for your good. So, so your, your, your death sentence is not written because you messed up. Everybody that's looking at me has messed up. And God still got you here. 
Church problems. God can take those to make good come about. Because you know, one of the things that happen when you have church problems is you learn who's on God's side and who's on the devil's side. You, you learn who understands what scripture says versus who's going by their personal feelings and opinions. And you start to understand that just because you go to church with people does not mean they love you or care about you. But we know God can take all things and, 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 and make good come about it. Now, those were some negative things, but recognize God can take good things that happen in your life and still make better things come out of it. Now, now some of you, God has blessed you uh, to come out of the country, uh, to come out of a shotgun house, to come out of a shack, and, and you have resources that you've never had before. And God is giving you an opportunity to not only take care of yourself, but bless other folk. So, so a brother, sister who has a good job here has the opportunity to bless the rest of us. Sister Monique, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Where's my hospital CEO, my, my hospital CEO, CFO, COO, whatever uh, it is. So God is continually moving him up the ranks. And so God takes those kinds of opportunities to not only bless you, but give you the opportunity to be a blessing to other folk so that more good comes out of it. He said, and we know that all things work together. And the idea of working together is the idea of synergy. So I know some of you are familiar with the word synergy. And that's why you bring things together and you get a more powerful impact with them working together than you could with them apart. So, so a good example of this is something that some of you are going to have uh, in a little while. That's table salt. Table salt. So, okay, follow, follow, let me give you an illustration. Table salt is made up of primarily two elements, sodium and chlorine. That's right. That's what my degree is in. And, and, and so let me, let me take you to the science, science lab for a little bit. So sodium and chlorine by themselves are poisonous. They're poisonous by themselves. Uh, and that's why those of you who take too much salt, you have all these negative health issues. Okay? Sodium and chlorine uh, by themselves are poisonous. And when you take in an amount you shouldn't have, that's when your blood pressure goes up. That's where your strokes and heart attacks and all that kind of stuff come from. But you take these two elements who by themselves are poisonous, and, and you put them together in the right combination and you have something that many of us like to do when we shake that stuff on our food. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm just looking at the salt addicts out there. Mm -hmm. So God is able to take all this stuff that makes no sense, that can be harmful and negative and upsetting and stressing and all of that. He can take all that stuff, mix it in his lab, and bring stuff out that is for our good. That's why some people like the prodigal son, they got to go to the hog pen. They won't do right unless they go to the hog pen. And in the process of going that way, they learn some things that they never would have learned had that not occurred. Psalms 25, verse number 10. I need media if you can put Psalms 25, 10 on the screen for us. Psalms 25, verse number 10. Psalms 25, verse number 10. And there are going to be several verses I'm going to ask that you put on the screen for us. Uh, Psalms chapter 25, and the verse is 10. Psalms 25, verse 10. The Bible says, all the paths of the Lord are mercy 
and truth. To such as keep his covenant with his testimonies. Again, all the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth to such as keep his covenant and his testimony. God is always working in our favor. And so we need to stop complaining so much about why did this happen? Why am I going through this? It may be you are a child who needs to go to the hog pen to come to their senses. It may be you are the child who needs a spanking or two or three or four to get in line. But remember, he's using all of this for our good. And sometimes some of the best decisions we have made come after we messed up many times. And you learn not to go down that road again. You learn, you learn not, uh, not to deal with that thing anymore. But God is still working for our good. So he brings about his synergy for our good. And so God works on things that are not just good for you on earth, but good to you in heaven. God wants the best for us. He wants the best for us while we're on earth, while we're living. But he also charted out a way for us to go to heaven. If we will line up, submit, do that which he has called us to do. So that's something called the providence of God. That God is able to do stuff. He's able to, at his discretion. So, so God doesn't, you, you can't tell God how long should I have this pain. You, you, you can't tell God I, I have suffered enough. And so you need to change what you're doing. See, unlike us, God knows your heart in spite of what's coming out of your mouth. So he knows when you say, I've learned my lesson, that you really haven't. You just don't want to have to deal with the discomfort. So God's providence sometimes saves us from hardship, but sometimes it sends us through hardship. Because for some of us, that's just how we learn. That's how we made. Uh, you, you go through a family, you get four or five siblings, you will have the ones that would do right because it's the right thing to do. And then you got a group in the middle that if you don't encourage them, and sometimes that's encouragement with the belt, they're not going to do what's right. And, and then you got those on the, on, the, on the far end, they have seen all the strife and trouble that these others have gone through, so they're going to fall in line. Cause, not because it's right, because they don't want to get what big brother, big sister got. Come on, some of you middle children. You know you learn from seeing uh, your mom and daddy uh, uh, deal with your, your older siblings. So, so God in his providence will send some people through one thing, but he won't the other person. That's why you can't uh, always assume God's going to deal with you the way he dealt with somebody else. One person will get cancer and will die from it. Another person will get cancer and it'll be cured. God's still good. One person... We'll, 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 we'll make $200,000 a year, Brian. And, and another person uh, be, will be making maybe 30000 a year. Is God wrong for that? That's just a problem for God. Now, now I'm, not saying, I'm, I'm not saying that's what he makes. But it may be up in that number. 
Yeah. But whatever it is, God has given it to him so he can use it for good. Now, now to help with this providence thing, let's look at the Israelites uh, when they were in Egypt, uh, had a hard life, and God delivers them. You guys remember that? And, and then what do they do when they get out of Egypt and they're in, on, on, in the wilderness or in the desert? They fail to realize God has been taking care of you in both situations. But when they get out in the, in the wilderness, I don't like this manner that God has given us to eat. I want something. I want a steak or something like that. <laughs> you know, we thirsty. So get, find us some water somewhere. God is steadily taking care of their needs, and they griping and complaining because they're not getting it the moment that they want it. You know anybody like that? You're not going to die because dinner is going to be 30, 40 minutes late. Learn how to be patient. Learn how to wait on God. But then if you don't like the Israelites, what about Brother Joseph? Sibling rivalry. I put him in a ditch. Now, now I need just to talk briefly. Sibling rivalry is still alive and well today. You need to be careful, parents, having your favorite child. Because their brothers and sisters will deal with them. And they won't always deal with them nicely. So love all your children. Uh, if you got a favor, keep it, keep it in your heart. Don't, don't say it out loud. Don't, don't say it out loud. Otherwise, you're going you to have a fight among your children. So, so Joseph, uh, in his immaturity, you know, would say some things to his brothers that just tick them off. Uh, you know, he talked about, uh, gave the vision where they said, oh, Yo, you mean we're going to bow down to you? And, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so they put him in a hole. Uh, gratefully, they, you, you had some that wanted to kill him, but, you know, they didn't do that. And he got sold uh, into slavery. Uh, and then, you know, went to, uh, went to uh, jail, um, went to Potiphar's house, who was a good worker, uh, but because he was a handsome, attractive uh, young man, uh, Mrs. Potiphar, uh, <laughs> wanted to put the hand on it. Uh, that didn't go well, so he ended up in jail, and he's there, uh, and he's able to interpret these dreams for people, uh, but they forget, they forget him. And then when the Pharaoh has a dream, he's, he's pulled up, he, he, he's able to interpret the dream. But look at all of what was going on in Joseph's life to get him to the point where when his family was in need, the very person they didn't care nothing about, God used to take care of them. Be careful how you treat folk, because the very folk you dogging may be the very folk you got to come to for help in a few months. Now, I need to understand that as God is working for our good, he does a lot of things, or he has a lot of ways that he does that, but two other ways that he works for our good is, first of all, through the scriptures, through his word. You will find some of the best pain medicine in the word of God. You'll find some scriptures, some words, some counsel, some encouragement in scripture that will help you deal with your pain and your disappointment and your discouragement. If you were but simply open it up and read it and be familiar enough to know where to go. Because you got to know where to go to see God's promises and where to go to find the words of encouragement like this great promise in Romans chapter 8 and 28. But then another underutilized resource that God gives 
to help us for our good is other Christians. See, you long range of Christians, you hurting yourself by isolating yourself from the body. Now, people are quick when they need a job. They want to talk to a brother or sister. You got any job leads? <laughs> Selfishness. But God has given us, he has gifted us to minister to one another. So some of the struggles you're dealing with, there's somebody here who's gone through and who can help you weather the storm. Some of you folk uh, who got uh, issues with your teenage children, talk to somebody whose children are grown now. And what you discover, your, 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 your issues with them as teenagers is not unique. There's just some stuff children do when they get in their teen years that does not make any sense. It makes you want to take them out, but be patient. <laughs> be patient. This too shall pass. It, it, it'll pass. And before you know it, they'll be graduating and moving out of the house. But God uses other Christians in our lives. You guys know about all the one another pastures. You know, pray for one another, encourage one another, confess your faults one to another. There's just a whole lot that if we really uh, allowed brothers and sisters to minister to us, we find things a whole lot easier. So for some of you who know you, you've sinned, but you have problems confessing your sins in the worship assembly, well, you need to go back to the scripture. What scriptures say, confess your sins one to another. You can talk to a brother or sister away from the building and say, brother and sister, I've done this. Will you pray for me? You have to wait till we get here. Your sin got to get be confessed. But we, we, we pack on our sins because we don't want to say anything. And, and without confession, they're not forgiven. Some of you need somebody outside of your family to talk to. You got some Christians here who love you, who will give you a listening ear, who are not going to judge you because you say some ugly things about yourself. Guess what? Everybody in here got some ugly stuff about themselves. See, our fronting and pretending hurts us. And God can't work this good that he wants because we won't open up his book. We won't read it and study it. We won't personalize it. And, and, and then we won't trust our brothers and sisters that they're not trying to use us or take advantage of us. And the irony is the very people who many times you trust that you haven't checked out, that have no godliness in them, those are the folks you want to talk to. Anyways, that's, that's another sermon. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called to those that love God and to those uh, uh, who are called. Those are all Christians. So I need for, and there's just two ways of looking at Christians. So first of all, Christians, we genuinely love the person that saved us. So, so one of the ways that you, you, you know if somebody loves somebody, it, 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 they'll spend time with them. They will do things for them. Uh, they will honor them. So if, if you love the Lord, come into worship service. That's the easiest thing to do. You, you don't have to think about that. That's like going on a date. Uh, when you got a date with somebody, 
You put on your best. You want to smell your best. You want to look your best. Why is it when we come to spend some time with Jesus, those, those things that we do for a man or woman, we won't do for him? Just, just ask it. How do you demonstrate that you love the Lord? How do you demonstrate in your daily life? I'm not talking about when we come up in here and you want to sing uh, like there's no tomorrow, but how do you deal with this every day and maybe even some, on some of the days where you're being annoyed by folk? Like what's going to happen with some of you guys tomorrow? Those that love God, those that are called, those that are called are those who have new life in Christ. You and I have been called to a different way of living. And whereas in 2023, you may have been rebelling against that, you, you, you just need to get real with it and understand, God wants you to be different than the world. He wants you to be different than ungodly people. He wants you to be different than folk who do not know Jesus. Stop trying to mix and mingle with these folk because you want them to like you. Chances are if they like you, God doesn't. And you're trying to get in good with these thugs and thuggets, and, and, and you don't have time uh, to let the Spirit of God dwell in you richly. And part of that is because you don't want to change. I've been this way for 20 and 30 years. Okay, you want to die that way too? That's a new life. That's a new life. Yes, we have to do some of the same things we used to do, but there's now a different focus. There's a different agenda. You go to work now like you did before, but now you're representing Jesus on the job. See, when you represent yourself, you can curse a person out and all that kind of stuff. It didn't bother you. Now you curse a person out. Now you steal stuff. No, you don't steal. You take stuff from the job that doesn't belong to you. Now it bothers you. Now, now it bothers you. Before it didn't bother you. But now you, you start looking to make sure there's anybody watching me. Because we've been called to a new life. Now, I need for you to understand, these are the people that this promise is directed toward. Not just somebody who's alive on earth, but people who love God and people who have been called by him. So guess what? If they don't love God and they haven't been called by him, this promise of making good come out of all this stuff is not for them. And maybe that's why some churchgoers, life still messed up, jacked up. They don't love God, and it evidences by their behavior. They haven't been called by him. He says, according to his purpose. You and I need to understand, God has a purpose for you being here. That may not be your purpose. Because if we don't understand him, and we don't understand his word, we think my purpose is just to come up here and be seen. God's purpose is for everyone to be saved. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Uh, Media, I need for you to put up 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 9. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 9. God's purpose is for everybody to be saved. That's what he wants. Now, you and I know everybody is not going to submit to his will. 
That's evidence that they don't love him. That's also evident because they haven't been called according to his purpose. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. He's long-suffering toward you. He's long-suffering toward me, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Thank God you're still alive. Because for some of you, God is letting you live so you can get yourself together. He, he doesn't want to have to take you right now. So he's giving you time so that when he takes you, it will be nobody's fault but your own if you're not saved. And so all the fussing and fighting and rebelling now, uh, people just need to remember there's a judgment day coming. You and I don't know when. Nobody knows when. But it's coming. And we ought to want to line up with the purpose of God. So his, his purpose is the salvation of all mankind. His purpose is that you be refined because he loves you. Now, in order to be refined, you got to go through some stuff. In order to be refined, you got to be purged. Uh, uh, some of you flower lovers, you know, sometimes you got to pull leaves off of flowers in order for them to grow and, and stuff like that. Uh, and, and you're doing it for the health of the plant. God's doing that for us. Some of us, you know, uh, you, you, you talk about making New Year's resolutions about this, and I want to change this, I want to do that. Uh, uh, God is giving you time. First of all, to get your mind set. Because you guys know you can make all the kind of resolution you want. Uh, if you're not really committed to that, it's not going to happen. And we live in, uh, in an age in a world where folks just make all kinds of resolutions. Uh, they haven't counted up the costs. Uh, I'm going to get back in the gym. Well, if you're not disciplined enough that at the end of a hard, long day, when you're tired, you're still going to go to the gym, or you're going to get up early in the morning before you go to work, you, you're not going to go to the gym. And, and you can promise, uh, Sister Rosalie, you're going to be in her Zumba class all day long. <laughs> But if you don't have the discipline and commitment, you're not coming. And she'll just be looking for you. And eventually she'll get the idea he or she's not coming. Deuteronomy chapter 7, uh, verses 7 through 8, media. Deuteronomy 7, uh, 7 through 8. Deuteronomy chapter 7, uh, verses 7 through 8. The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any other people. For you are the least of all people. But because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage from the hand of, the, of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So, so God is talking to the Israelites uh, as they are about to uh, enter the uh, promised land, and, and reminds them, there's nothing special about you. There's nothing special about you. I selected you because I loved you. Yes. I selected you because I made a promise to your forefathers. And so I'm being true to what I told them. You guys have not lived up to your part. You're not saved because you're so smart. You're not saved because you're so holy. Because you don't do anything wrong. And, and some people start 
adding those things up and saying, well, you know, I'm a Christian, uh, you know, all this kind of stuff, but you're a Christian who still sins. You're, you're a Christian who still got some rebel in you. Uh, and so the rebel comes out when people tell you what to do and you get an attitude because I'm growing. I see it every Sunday when the ushers ask you guys to move or, or slide over. I see the expressions on your face. I say rebel. <laughs> yeah, it happens every time. On Wednesday nights, uh, when we have Bible class, and every, I got to tell you guys to come. You know I'm going to say that. Uh, what, what's, so, what, what's so about you stiff-necked folk that you just can't do that on your own? So, so, so remember that it, it says God's still refining you. He's still refining you. He's still working on you. He's, and so that's how I do it, so I don't get mad at you guys. I, I, because I recognize you, you God's people. And if God doesn't break you, there's nothing I can do. Because you'll want to fight me if I try. But recognize we're being refined. We're being refined. We're being refined. So all these things that happen to you... Uh, God is trying to get the impurities out of you. And, and, and too many times we hang out where all the impurities are. We listen to the stuff where all the impurities are. We watch all the stuff where the, you guys get the feel. And so it's hard to get that stuff out of you when as God is trying to pull it out of you, you're putting it back in. And so that's why the struggle is there. And I need for you to understand, as long as you're struggling with God, you're going to keep on having problems, challenges, hardships, and trials. Because God is not going to promote you until he sees you're ready. Okay, uh, some of you went to school where everybody just got passed in the class. Folk who didn't even show up got passed in the class. We, we got professional athletes now who got passed along who don't know how to read. But they were good athletes. And now in their old age, and they, they have squandered all the money they made, and now we know what their skill set is. Let God refine you. Don't get so high-minded that you think you're all of that in a bag of chips. Don't let the compliments that church folk say to you inflate your ego. Because church folk love to inflate you so they can stick a pin and pop you. You guys know how you have done it in the past. You build people up, and the moment they make a mistake, oh, I knew he or she was no good. I was just waiting to see when it was going to happen. Well, if you knew, you knew they were no good, why aren't you trying to do something to help them? But again, it shows the lack of love. So if you don't love God, you don't love God's people. Okay, let me, let me go ahead and wrap up here. And it's just one verse. So imagine if I tried to deal with all those ten verses. Uh, we'd be here until evening service time. So, so, so recognize, recognize God is not working to make you happy. And I say that because many times we think of God as Santa Claus. And his job is just to give me whatever it is I want uh, to make me happy, to fix all my problems and, and all of that. That is not God's job. God wants to grow us up so that you can serve him faithfully in spite of the problems and shortcomings because you know he's got your back. So it's not his job to make you happy. God has promised to make good come out of the circumstances that we're in. 
And he's going to do that. And you can see that from your own personal life. That there's some stuff you've gone through, you've come through much better than you were. You didn't like it. You may have cried. You may have had some sleepless nights. Uh, you had some doctor's appointments. But you're in a much better situation. See, 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 some people live better when they know they got a terminal illness. Because they know they don't have time to be fooling around. They know death is certain. Now, don't let God have to give you a terminal illness for you to straighten up. Secondly, learn, learn to expect and accept some pain in your life. God's promise is not that it won't be painful, not that it won't be unkind. It's I'm going to make good come out of it. So I need to recognize that there's going to be some stuff that I'm not going to agree with, I'm not going to like, it's going to hurt my feelings, uh, it is going to go against what I personally would want to do, but I got to trust God. That's why you can't be rebelling every time there's a leadership decision that you don't like. You're not the leader. If you were the leader, we'd have to follow you. And we evidence our ungodliness many times and how we complain about things you have no control over. So a person with common sense would say, what it's not going to change anything. Why are you saying this? Your car is red. You want it blue. It's not going to change color just because you want it to. Now, somebody have to buy some paint, take it to an auto body shop, or get you some jack leg to paint it. <laughs> That's the only way the color is going to change. Wishing it's going to change is not going to bring it about. Just like wishing your situation would just go away magically. No, sometimes you need to do something. Loving God is more than talk. Church folk love to talk about how much I owe, how I love Jesus. He's my friend. And the list goes on and on. We just love to talk that. But what does your life show? What, what, what does your life show? We will be able to convert more people if we live right in front of folk than all the stuff we say. Because as you're talking, people are looking at your life. They're looking at the fact you never talk to me uh, until you want to invite me to your church. Now, that's an indictment on you. Because you need to love the person, be concerned about their soul. But you got to recognize, you got to form a relationship with the person. You, in the day and time we live in, folk got to trust you. So loving God is more than talk. And recognize, if I don't love my brothers and sisters... I don't love God. I don't care how many years you've been coming to church services. And, and, and some of us, we have this pharisaical, this external view of what love is. But what's in the heart? And I'm talking about this heart here, not the blood pump. But what, what's in our heart? What's in your mind? And then recognize hardships do not mean that God has forgotten about you. I appreciate Brother Joe. When all the stuff was going wrong with him, Joe, Joe said, shall we accept God only for the good that he does and not for the bad? Okay, you live long enough, you're going to get old. And, and that fine exterior you used to have in your 20s and 30s will be gone by the time you're 65, 70, 75, and 80. So if you hung up on how you look right now, you're going you're gonna to be miserable in a few years. And maybe that's why some of you are miserable now. You have not understood that change is going to come. Sam Cook was right. A change is going to come. 
And for some of us, the change has come. And so you got to age with God and, and just recognize that he has forgotten about you because you get older. He, he hasn't forgotten about you because you're on a fixed income. Uh, he hasn't forgotten about you because they took your car keys and you can't drive anymore. Anybody had their car keys taken yet? Okay, for some of you need to recognize that day is coming. And just hope you got a good child or a good friend or family member who won't mind chauffeuring you. Because the day is coming. Sister Stacy, one day, uh, Ben is going to have to drive in that truck. You can get used to the idea. It's, stuff will change. But simply because it changed does not mean God is not with us. You know, as a congregation, we've had seen many members leave our congregation. And for some of us, if you had a close relationship with them, it was painful, it was uncomfortable. But guess what? The church is still here. We're still striving. We're not folding up dying because they left. As a matter of fact, we're doing better now that they're gone. You didn't say that. I said that. But it's true. It's true. It's true. And some of you right now, before this year is over, you're going to be gone too. And guess what? We're going to keep on kicking. Now, you'll either be gone because you decide to leave and go someplace else or because God takes you home. But stuff is going to happen. It's going to change. And we need to recognize that. So get yourself ready for that now. Now, you look around in this audience today. You're wonderful. We're almost a, a, a building full. Next Sunday, it's not going to be this way. Because we've gotten away from the first Sunday of the year. And folk don't care about their perfect attendance, record on attendance that they had today. God is working for your good. God is working for your good. I said one more time. God is working for your good. We need to believe that. And that needs to be the thought every day that I leave my house or I wake up, God is still working for my good. There may be some things that will happen this day that I don't like, that I don't feel good about, but God is still in the background working for my good. And if I can have that that thought, that attitude, then I'll find myself going through the day with a lot more peace. I find myself going through the day with a lot less stress. And at the end of the day, I can say, thank you, Lord, for bringing me through. This day, if you have a statement, you have a prayer request, you have a confession uh, that you need to make, we're going to give you the opportunity uh, to do that. I know we got a brother who's going to place membership with us today, so I'm happy and excited about that. Uh, amen, brother. Amen. That's right. I'm calling him out. I didn't call his name, but I just want him to know. I know. Uh, and, and so that's the blessing right there. We, we prayed that God was sending us some, 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 some men. He's doing it. He may be doing it one at a time, but he's doing it. And as he sends us these brothers, we're going to put them to work. <laughs> 